Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. And we're here with the free agency preview. Okay, free agency, the negotiating window where teams can basically start negotiating and agree to deals that can't be official until the new league year starts on the 17th. But the negotiating window is March 15th to 17th. So basically what? One, two, three weeks away. We're actually three weeks away from the start of free agency. Now, there's no combine this year, remember. At least live or actually there's really no version of the combine at all. So agents, teams, they don't get the opportunity to be in the same city, in the same building, and all this intermingling that goes on and, you know, backroom type negotiating or, you know, under the table uh, hints at what their clients might want. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. There might be a little less. uh rumors out there or at least truth to rumors uh now i will you know my job is to sit there and make as many calls as possible as if to sort of recreate what happens in the indianapolis so we'll, we'll see how that works as we go along here but first what i'm going to do here is we'll go over the giants free agents then we'll look at some of their top positions in need and i'll go over some of the options and the best options that are out there at each of those positions so giants obviously defensive line those are their two big ones you got Leonard Williams, Dalvin Tomlinson. I wrote about the two of them on uh, taping this on a Thursday, so it just published this morning. So go read it on ESPN.com. And really, the gist of it is the Giants want Leonard Williams back along with Dalvin Tomlinson. Homegrown guy, Dalvin Tomlinson. Good quality player. Better to you know to sign or, or add a known then bring in an unknown and, and pay significant money for it. So they want to bring both guys back. Now, Leonard Williams is the priority. He brings a skill that's a lot harder to replace in regards to the pass rush. But he's going to be expensive. The uh, couple people around the league think $19 millions around a year is around his number. Dalvin Tomlinson will, pro- will probably be around the $10 million mark. That's a lot of money in a defensive line, especially in a 3-4, de- primarily 3-4 defense. So... The Giants have it, it, the the deals will have to work. They'll have to be for the right amount in order for the Giants to bring both back. But it's definitely not off the table that both these guys do come back. I will say that uh, Wayne Gallman also not a, he's not a priority, but it's a possibility he comes back. Kyler Fackrell, same deal. If if the price is right on these guys, the Giants will be willing to bring them back. Cam Fleming, same thing, and Colt McCoy, like not the greatest quarterback options out there for backup quarterback in regards to the Giants got Colt McCoy last year for, I think the price ended up being what, two, $3 million. I think it was less than three. So, you know, for a backup quarterback, like they kind of, you know, they, they don't have the flexibility to go spend six, seven, $8 million on a backup quarterback to, you know, get say Ryan Fitzpatrick as a backup would be an expensive backup. Or Tyrod Taylor, probably, who some team will probably be out there and, like, I don't think he's actually as good as people think he is. But anyway, as a backup, he's fine. So Colt McCoy, I like the possibility of him coming back. Cam Fleming, too, to be honest with you. Uh, if not him, then someone similar. Because if you think about it, there's the Giants aren't going – they're first of all, there aren't – we'll get to this in a second. There aren't any – 
many, if any, great tackles that are going to be out there on the market. There never really are. They already made a mistake by trying to pay for what they thought was a top tackle. Nate Solder. We'll get to him in a minute also. That didn't work out. So the likelihood is you bring in a cheap veteran swing tackle, which Cam Fleming is, who has familiarity to the coaches, and then let Matt Pear compete with him for a starting job. So that's probably the best way for the Giants to go about it. Their best thing, best case scenario is have Matt Parrott develop into a quality starting tackle. Then Cam Fleming's on the bench. Andrew Thomas develops into a quality tackle. Like that's what they need to happen here. Like That's what they're crossing their fingers now. Guy like Cam Fleming at least gives them insurance where they could throw someone out, put someone out there in the starting lineup and have a, a capable start. So. Uh, that's where we stand on those guys. The only other thing I want to add, and he's not a free agent, but the Giants are going to have to make some cap cuts. You have Nate Solder, okay? Now, he's a potential cap casualty because he, A, opted out this past year, so he now hasn't played in a couple years, didn't play very, you know, in a year, didn't play very well the year before, and his cap number is pretty high. So you put all that together, and it might make sense for the Giants to get rid of him. Six million in cap savings if they get rid of him this year. Uh... Post June first, it would be they could save ten million dollars this year. So that's a significant number. Now I spoke to Nate Soldier this week, and he does intend to play if the situation is right, and he wants to come back, and he still believes there's more football. In. Now he hasn't had that conversation with the Giants yet. Obviously, they need to make a decision on Nate Soldier. Uh, Nate Soldier then has to make a decision, uh, you know, restructuring or maybe. Uh, Taking a pay cut would would be something the Giants would be looking into. I'm not sure. I'm just throwing these out there as potential solutions. So the only thing I know so far is that Nate Solder would like to play and he would like to come back and he tends to play football in 2021. So that's the in-house business. Now let's go outside. Now we'll start with the wide receiver position because that's like sort of the splashy position. Everyone says the Giants need a number one receiver. They need this top receiver. All right. Top of the wide receiver, free agent board, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay. Uh, to me, that's like the top tier, and then it drops off. And I, I love Will Fuller, too. So I'm almost put Will Fuller as like a one, you know, right below that top tier. And then Juju, Corey Davis, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Curtis Samuel, Marvin Jones, those kind of guys. Now, the Giants, to me, yes, Kenny Galladay is the one. I would keep an eye on. Depends what the Lions decide to do with him. That's one. I think if he does hit the market, the Giants, I reported this during the season, had made a call at least to see before the trade deadline. I think it was just sort of like a due diligence call. But, hey, where there's smoke, there's fire. So if he hits the free agent market, I do think that's going to be one that we should watch closely. Now, Chris Godwin, I would love. But I think if I had my druthers, say Giants get a number one receiver, it would be Allen Robinson. From the Bears. He seems to have the fewest question marks of all the guys, right? Galladay has some injury history, missed most of this past year. I actually don't know if he hits the open market, if he he gets that huge deal. I think he can be had for a more reasonable price than some assume. Like, you know, the 17, 16, 17, $18 million a year range. Not sure off an injury where he missed pretty much the entire season, he's going to get that. So we'll see. But so those are the three. I love Will Fuller. But when we're talking about investments for a team like the Giants who are building long-term, I've mentioned before they're in the process of rebuild. Like the Will Fuller of the world does not make sense to them. 
He uh, got suspended this past year. I believe he has one game left on the suspension. And he also has a big injury history. So that's just too risky an investment for a team like the Giants. Like if a team that like, all right, we get Will Fuller and he blows up and it puts us over the top, that's the move for us. But that's not where the Giants are. Juju Smith-Schuster, a lot of slot, doesn't make a ton of sense for them. Corey Davis does. Now, I don't think Corey Davis is going to break the bank, but is Corey Davis the number one? I think we saw he's not. when he Until A.J. Brown showed up, he kind of underperformed or underachieved. So does Corey Davis solve all the Giants' problems if they then don't put the number 11 pick overall into a weapon? So that kind of has to play in with it. Like, I'm all right with Corey Davis if you tell me they're drafting Kyle Pitts or one of the top three receivers at number 11. So, but then there's other positions to fill, okay? And one of those being, let's go to edge rusher, right? The second position, another costly one, Giants have to fill edge rusher. Uh, outside linebacker, is that they play 3-4, so those are the best fits. Like the Yannick Ngakwe's of the world, I mentioned this last year, or last offseason, when it was say, oh, is, he's available, are they going to trade him, or are the Giants in on it? My understanding was he wasn't going to be a great fit in what they do. More of like uh, a 4-3 type of guy. So I don't see why that changes now. Now, Carl Lawson, probably also more of a natural 4-3 defensive end. Good player. I'd be intrigued by him if he can make that transition, but I think he's more of a defensive end. Uh, maybe a Ryan Carrigan. As a veteran guy, these are guys I'm looking at on the defensive end list. Trent Murphy, uh, guys that can be contributors, you know, really fall into the category of what they had with Kyler Fackrell. Okay. Kyler Fackrell, again, probably in that four or five million dollar range, three, four, five million dollar range. Uh, that's kind of what he is as a player. Uh, he got banged up this year, so he didn't get to put together a full season. Uh, I think that'll hurt his value a little bit in a market where the way I think this is going to go, the top guys, they get their money. Like, Leonard Williams is going to get his money. He played really well. Allen Robinson, he's going to get his money. Uh, Brandon Sheriff, if he hits the market at guard, he's going to get the, the top guys will get paid as if the cap isn't going down and there aren't these financial limitations. Then I think it might start to dry up. The mid-range guys, I think, are the ones that are going to get hit hard here. Those big deals for mid-range guys, I don't, I don't think they're going to be there. So that's going to create, because why are you going to sign all right, uh, let's look at this outside linebacker list. Okay, uh, I'm looking at Hassan Reddick for for the Melvin Ingram. Okay, uh, no, Melvin Ingram is is older guy. So Leonard Floyd, younger guy, good player, not great, going to cost you money. You know, ten probably more than ten million, twelve, thirteen million, fourteen million a year, somewhere in that range. Not a great player. He's been up and down throughout his career. You're really going to pay and invest in that long term in, in Leonard Floyd at that price. Leonard Floyd, a guy the Giants liked a lot coming out of uh, Georgia when he was in the draft, ended up with Eli Apple in that disastrous draft. Or you're going to go and say, okay, let's wait, and we'll, we'll get a, a veteran on the cheap for one year and probably get similar production that Leonard Floyd can give you for $4 million. This year... That veteran $4 million guy is the way to go, in my opinion. And I think you're going to see a lot of teams doing that. So with that being said, you have at the top of the outside linebacker, the Shaq Barrett at Tampa, stud. They're not letting him go. Had been great the last two years. Matt Judon, who along with Ngakwe, one of them is probably going to get free, unrestricted, from Baltimore. 
Barrett will probably get tagged. Bud Dupree, who I personally think is the best of them all. The only caveat being he tore his knee. I mean, he was playing with the Steelers early this year as one of the top players in the NFL. If you watch that Giants-Steelers opener, I think Bud Dupree was the single best player on the field. Best player. That's how good he is, Bud Dupree. Now he comes with a risk, tear it towards knee. But I don't know. You're going to have risk with guys in free agency. And I'm not scared off by one injury to the guy, and it's an ACL injury, when guys come back from that all the time. So I think he would be an investment I would be willing to look at. Hassan Reddick played really well this year in a contract year, kind of got to just go and run and play. I think, you know, he could be an ascending player. He could be an investment that's worthwhile for the Giants. So those are the two that really stick out to me, Dupree and Reddick, Hassan Reddick from Arizona. But maybe I'm skewed. I probably should, you know what, I'll do this for one episode. I'm going to go back and look at Hassan Reddick and look at him play because I'm probably skewed by the fact that he dominated the Giants and that was the best game of his career. We have five sacks. So his numbers are also skewed by that game as well. Now, there's a lot of other guys out there uh, that are sort of the fill-in guys, the fackles of the world. Alden Smith, who I don't think, you know, is the Giants kind of guy, but he'll fill that role for other teams. Marcus Golden, again, in that role. Giants, same thing. Uh, You know, looking at this list here, like I mentioned before, Ryan Kerrigan, Trent Murphy, like decent players who can play in that spot, not game changers. The Giants really need a game changer at that spot, whether it be draft or top of the free agency market. Now, the way I see it is because of the financial restrictions, the Giants are probably in for one big move this offseason. Last year was two. They got James Bradbury, and they got, um, I'm not including Leonard Williams signing the tag, James Bradbury and Blake Martinez. Those were the two big unrestricted free agent moves. This year, with where they're at money-wise and the cap where it is and them still building, I'm going to think it's one. You know, it could be, if it's, let's say Kenny Galladay is available and they get they could get him, then they'll pass on the outside linebacker, edge rusher, and try to get that in the draft, or vice versa. So that's kind of the way I see it. The Giants' big move to me, wide receiver or edge rusher. But it might might and probably only be one top-of-the-market type guy. Now, defensive cornerback, I don't know why I said defensive, cornerback, not quarter, cornerback, they need a veteran player to go opposite Bradbury. You can't go back with all these young guys like they did last year and really just have a gaping hole out there. Like, some, like at the top of the, the cornerback list is like William Jackson, Shaq Griffin, Patrick Peterson, Ronald Darby, Richard Sherman. Now, I don't see the Giants shopping at that. They already paid big money for a veteran guy last year to have Bradbury. So you hope you can get a young guy, step in. Darnay Holmes probably be their slot guy. Good young, de- decent young player. Had his ups and downs for sure. Uh, but looks like he could be a decent young player. He'll likely be their slot guy. They'll have a bunch of young cornerbacks thrown in the mix. But you need at least one veteran that you could start as a contingency. You know, Jason McCourty's a guy that stands out. You know, has the big connection to the New England tree, uh, you know, the, the Giants, Joe Judge tree, you know, goes through New England. Uh, Patrick Graham also. Akilo Weatherspoon from San Francisco. These are guys that are going to be like two, three, four million dollar guys that intrigue me because, you know, you say, okay, we can get by with them as a starter. Witherspoon, I believe, is like a, a longish type guy. 
uh, you know, you maybe uh, Chidobi Awuzee. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his game right name right. He's probably in like the second tier. He might be a little above them, but it, like a guy like that might actually fit if the Giants are willing to spend. That's a guy that intrigues me because you're talking about a guy with a lot of speed, and that's kind of what you want opposite Bradbury. Bradbury is like the taller, lankier guy, you know. Whereas Chidobi, I'll call him because I don't want to keep trying to butcher his name. I don't want to keep butchering his last name. He's the kind of guy to me that he can run with a guy super speed. So you could put him on the speedsters that maybe, okay, the speedster is not the best matchup for Bradbury. See, that's his weakness. He doesn't have that premium speed, but so you get the, the speedster opposite him and you have a nice combo that can complement each other. So uh, as far as the offensive line goes, we'll go through this real quick. I, the, the, there really is only a couple real big left tackles. Uh, Taylor Moten from Carolina played really well this year. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva, Russell Okung, who's older, towards getting towards the end of the line uh, in his career. Darrell Williams, who played well in Buffalo. Gettleman knows him well. That intrigues me. Darrell Williams say, okay, we're going to pay him, be our right tackle. If they're willing to invest in that, I kind of would be on board. Uh, Moten's probably going to be out of their range if he even hits the market, which I would kind of be surprised. It looks like Carolina is going to gear up to keep him in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Villanueva, good quality starting tackle. You're probably going to have to pay for him. Would I? Do I think that's the right move for the Giants? Probably not. You know, that's sort of like a, an older filling guy. I'm, but you know, for a team that's close, said so we just need a little more off a team that you know the Dolphins. Would almost make sense for Villanueva. They're getting closer. You know, let's add this veteran tackle, stabilize our, our line, like a team like that. You know, but the low range tackles that, you know, I mentioned Cam Cam Fleming before. It's like Cam Fleming, Jason Peters, uh, Ty Nishecki, uh, Mike Remmers. Giants been there, done with that. So that's the range of mostly that next tier of guys. Cam Robinson may be an interesting one. Younger guy, take a shot on him, hope. Hope he could play better than he did in Jacksonville when he, he really struggled most of his time in Jacksonville. So uh, those are some of the names there. Uh, cutting Kevin Zeitler is a possibility because there's big money there. And you say, okay, Kevin Zeitler, let me look up the exact number. Now, he's their best lineman. He makes $12 million a year? $12 million this year. A lot of money. Okay, that, that's, a, that's a big number for a guard. Can we get, you cut him, you could save $9.6 million. Then you're gonna have to pay five or six to get a replacement. Probably not at the same level, although unless you really think that you have two guys in Shane Lemieux and Will Hernandez that are ascending and growing, and you, you really didn't get that confidence that they had in, in in Will Hernandez. I don't. I don't think you can go that route. Maybe you can go that route if you signed the tackle. If you signed Darrell Williams, then maybe you could cut. But is it worth it? Are we are we just juggling the pieces here? The only way the 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 path for this Giants line to get good is for Andrew Thomas and Matt Parrott to develop, to Nick Gates develop, Shane Lemieux or Will Hernandez develop, and add one veteran piece to it. You know, it's either going to be Kevin Zeitler or you sub in, uh, you know, like I said, one of those tackles, Villanueva, Darrell Williams, or, I mean, I prefer to be a tackle than put that heavy investment in a guard. The guard market is not great. Brandon Sheriff might hit the market. Really good player. Joe Tooney from New England. Also, really good player. But it's not the Giants' biggest position of need. 
If you get Joe Tooney, then you got to cut Kevin Zeitler. And you're basically trading apples for apples. Now, Tooney's younger, probably a better long-term investment, but he's going to be more expensive. You're going to have to put years into him. You have to give him a nice big contract. So uh, that's that. Let's just go through running back real quick because the Giants really don't have anyone signed behind Saquon. You have uh, Wayne Gallman as a free agent who uh, the Giants were up and down on him. Now, when he did get a chance to perform, I think he performed pretty well. So I think they would be open to bringing him back, but only at the right price. Uh, he might be able to get more money elsewhere. Um, we'll see how that goes. The top of the market is Aaron Jones. He'll get around, let's say, $10 million a year. I saw like a $14, 15000000 million number for him. Uh, I bet really, really hard against that. Any running back in the market this year, especially getting anywhere near that. Uh, Kenyon Drake, Chris Carson. This is like the top of the running back list, which obviously the Giants aren't going in that. And then the next level is like, Jamal Williams, Leonard Fournette, Todd Gurley, the veterans. Uh, I don't see the Giants paying big for a veteran like that when they have uh, Saquon coming back from an ACL, of course. But, like, if you're going to bring a guy like that, then you just bring in Wayne Gallman back. Uh, so uh, Gallman kind of falls into that category. Where is he on this list? I actually forgot to put him on this list that I'm looking at. <laughs> anyway, uh, Brian Hill, Marlon Mack. Carlos Hyde, Matt Breda, James White is a guy I think would be very interesting. That really pops out to me in the three, $4 million range. That makes more sense to me than any other investment the Giants can make in the running back position. And I'd rather have him as the complement to Saquon. You know, the passing down guy comes from New England. Joe Judge knows him, uh, supposed to be a solid guy, fits in the, the mold as a, as a person of Logan Ryan. That would make a ton of sense to me, James White. And then you draft a, a, a younger running back in the middle rounds and have him be the Wayne, uh, Wayne Gallman for 2021. So uh, that's where the running back position is. Uh, Deion Lewis, I think they can move on from that one. Alfred Morris, I mean, did fine when he got called upon, but uh, I mean, maybe you could bring him back. He's not going to cost any money as just a sort of super contingency plan. But uh, So those are the top positions of need for the Giants. And we'll see how it plays out. But again, I don't expect them, especially this year with the cap being it is and with their cap situation, which while not in bad shape, they're fine. Uh, I expect them to re-sign some of their own rather than just go out and bring in guys from the outside, unknowns, high risk, big investment type guys. So maybe, maybe one top of the market guy, wide receiver edge, uh, Give me my choice of one guy. Who am I taking? I would go Bud Dupree, but that's me. I know a lot of you might go Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay or whatever the big splash you know, position. Uh, but to me, edge rusher is a more glaring need. You can get some weapons in the draft. I don't know about edge rusher, especially this year. It's going to be trouble. So even if you get a rookie, it takes some time a lot of times for them. But this isn't the best edge rusher draft. That has to factor into the equation. So let's get more into free agency. We'll bring on our guest for this episode. He is all-knowing. He knows all 32 teams inside and out. Trust me, I pick his head, pick his brain all the time. Let's go to our guest. On to the next one. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Let's bring in our guest, the great Field Yates NFL insider. I believe that's your title. I mean, did you, does it have anything about fantasy in your in your title, Eddie? Eddie? I don't know. I think, I think yeah, technically it's, uh, it's NFL insider. Um, but I, I don't know. I sort of feel like a super utility player. Like do you have a favorite baseball player who like never actually had a position. He just played wherever the team needed him. I feel like that would be, uh, Randy Velarde. Like there we be. go. Yeah. The Randy right. Velarde um, VSP. <laughs> I don't know if that's, yeah, I mean, not as talented as Randy, but I'll take it. No, I was, you know, there are all kinds of players that have come to mind. So, uh, I'll take it. Whether it's a guy like Kiki Hernandez, who I guess is no longer with the Dodgers, but he was their super utility guy during their championship run last year. Not nearly as good or talented and certainly not as rich. I think he got paid pretty well this off season, but I try to do a bit of everything at ESPN. I like the way, I like the way you think, you know, you're, you're going for that younger demographic. I'm going for the, the old, the old guys, you know, with the Randy <laughs> Velarde. You, you skew Love much. Young. That's why no wonder you skew younger than me field. Aside from the fact that you look much younger than me and you are much younger than me, by the way. So uh, age, just a number, Jordan, just a number. There State we go. Of mind. We, we first, before we got to start with the important stuff. Because I need to find out what kind of person you are, okay? I see you're a Peloton guy, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So I'm, per- I'm pretty new to this, but I, f- I figured – I seem to have figured some stuff out. So okay. when, when there is – they tell you 30 to 40 resistance, do you constantly look at the leaderboard and up it up over whatever they tell you to sort of manipulate the leaderboard? No, I don't. And that it may be that that, that makes me a slacker or um, maybe to feel like I, I'm, I am not, you know, doing as much as I possibly can. I will say this though, Jordan is even though I like, I may cover sports and I may have just drawn a parallel or we may have just drawn a parallel between myself and Randy Velarde. I don't <laughs> consider myself like this amazing athlete though. I actually don't even put the leaderboard up. I push the panel off to the side of the screen. Maybe it's because, um, after a couple of rides early, I felt like I was, you know, I'm in like the 40, 40th percentile. And I felt humbled by that. Uh, maybe it's because uh, sometimes I, I use the excuse of it's too distracting. I want to just lock in on the screen. Um, but I think the reality is it's probably a whole lot more about what I was discussing at the beginning. Like, you know, you finish, uh, I don't know, 30,000 out of 40,000 people or out of 45,000 people. And you start to tell yourself like, you know what? The leaderboard, that's for everybody else. I'll just stay in my lane, in this case, almost literally, and uh, go at my own pace. See, you're proving my my point of what, what I kind of came to the the, uh, the sort of stereotype that I have about it. And, you're, you, and then I, I kind of expected this. Like, you're doing it probably the right way, okay, uh, to maximize your own performance. Like, you're doing it like what's best for you and your body and what makes you comfortable. I'm in the other end of the category. And that's why I asked, because I, I'm one, I was wondering, like, I'm sitting there and I'm not as good a person as you. See, I, I think by the way you do it, it, it generally hints towards like, okay, that's a good person. I'm in the, this is BS category. I'm sitting there. 
I'm at the top of the range of what they say you're supposed to do. And I'm looking at the leaderboard and I'm, people are passing me left, right. I'm like moving in the wrong direction. I'm like, how is this yeah. possible? So then I was like, all right, I'm the person who then tries to then go figure out because I'm super uber competitive and a bad person generally how to manipulate the leaderboard. <laughs> now your philosophy reflects much more, much better upon you than my philosophy. So, I you know, know. this is my informal poll that I, I, I've started taking with people. So I, you passed on the good, the good, bad human being platform. Well, I appreciate that. I, you know, I never necessarily thought of Peloton as the judge of character, but I'll take it, Jordan. Any, anything I can get these days, I will take. So I also now have motivation to finish at a much higher place in my next ride, which I anticipate to be tomorrow morning. So check back for an update on Peloton. Yeah, I, I did, you know, Google like how to, you know, do well on the leaderboard. I, I might have done that. And it does. There are people who do stuff like the beginning when you're like, you know, stretching out or warming up or the end when you're just supposed to like tone it down. You just sprint as hard as you can basically there and pump the numbers uh, up a little bit. And you just fly by sense. like thousands of people on the leaderboard, totally manipulating the leaderboard. Not that I've wink, wink ever done that, but Hey, you know, the, you know, the difference between me and you field right there. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I got Yeah. I mean, it's a, uh, that, that is good to know. It's a little bit of a life hack right there. So tomorrow, the last five, I might save myself for the last five minutes of the ride and then just uh, do my best to artificially accelerate my rank. <laughs> and you're like, Hey, look, I'm in the top five percent, 10%. You know, that that's basically what I, I do to make myself feel good at the end. But let's get into free agency because that's kind of what we're focusing on here, right? Uh, I'm curious, what do you think? Or the two of the Giants, the Giants' two top guys, Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson. Technically, I mean, you could consider them defense alignment, but they don't really tech play the same position, right? One's sort of like an end or, you know, a three, five technique guy. One's more of like a nose tackle, one technique guy, and that, and that which is Tomlinson. Basically, both towards the top of their positions of free agency. How do you feel, as someone who's been in a front office before, about making that large investment in two guys that are, you know, front guys in a, in a three-four? So it's funny. By the way, if, if we were to like describe how they might be different position-wise, even if on the roster they're either both listed as defensive tackle or defensive line, when you think of Dalvin Tomlinson, you think of being able to stop the run. And, and some pass rush press, obviously prowess too, but most know he's more push the, the pocket type guy, right? Like that's exactly that's his letter. Williams had what 11 and a half sacks last year. He's known as the kind of guy that at his best can be one of the better interior defensive linemen at rushing the passer in the league. He's going to impact the run too, but that's, he's going to get paid for the sacks. Right. So um, I, it sounds to me, and this is ultimately the cap strategy. Cause I, I'll, I'll, let me start here. Jordan is that, we know where the Giants are currently with the cap. They're, they're going to have to move some money around or release some players to sign both Leonard Williams and Dalvin Tomlinson, or even one of them back before the new league year begins, or even use a tag on one of those two players. But it's at least viable that they could keep both because the reality is if you want to keep good players, you're going to find ways to keep good players. It just might mean that if you keep both Tomlinson and Williams, other players that are currently on this roster will not likely be on this roster. And I'm not saying specifically which players those will be, but right. at some point, this is just doing a little bit of math here, right? Yeah. So I would say this: you probably have to prioritize 
Leonard Williams over Dalvin Tomlinson. And this is not, not to justify the investment the Giants made in the trade. Like that point, that's done. Like it's done. First of all, the draft picks have already been settled. And honestly, Jordan, like for the year and a half that they got out of Leonard Williams, I kind of feel like it's like the the, the investment's fine by me. Was a third and a fourth round pick is what it netted out to be or a third and fifth. Like, I don't think that's that uh, yeah, big I think of a deal. Was, I think it turned out to be what the the third and the the fourth, I believe. Yeah. So you know what? For Leonard Williams to be awesome for a year and to be whatever he was in the second half of 2019, I don't look back on this deal. Like if he walked, I don't look back at it and say this was a terrible risk or a terrible move by the Giants that worked against them. I think it's fine. So I'm not reinvesting you. in I, I'm not reinvesting in Leonard Williams because of to justify the investment further. I just think it's harder to find a guy like Leonard Williams than it is Dalvin Tomlinson. Now, the obvious difference is that it's a lot easier to pay someone like Dalvin Tomlinson a different amount of money than you're paying Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams obviously got tagged last year. As you know, oftentimes a player who is tagged will say, hey, the bar, that the minimum that you're paying me on a per-year basis is whatever the tag value is. Well, the Giants don't get a deal done by March 9th, and we're having this conversation on February 25th, they're going to have to potentially tag Leonard Williams, which would, I think, estimate the value to what, 19 million plus? And Leonard, yeah, yeah, and Leonard Williams is saying, fine, I'm a $19.4 million per year player at minimum, right? Mm -hmm. So all this is easier said than done. My feeling, understanding that Dalvin Tomlinson, team captain, homegrown player, amazing stuff on and off the field, really dependable, played and started every single game during his rookie contract. I just think that you have a better chance of finding somebody that can give you 60 to 75% of Dalvin Tomlinson at a lower price point through a draft pick or what have you, than you will finding someone like Leonard Williams, who at his best, as we've seen over the past, really the past season, can be a difference making defensive line. Would you object? You're, you're running a team. Would you object to the idea of investing in both those guys? Or would you say, you know what, it's probably better to go elsewhere? With what yeah, you know, with I, I Alvin Tomlinson side, like you know, let's let's put our money in a different position because obviously they have a lot of other needs. Yeah, it's going to come down to opportunity cost, Jordan. Because I, my, like, on principle, no, I'm not against bringing back good players. Like as many good players as I have, I want to yeah. keep. The question to me would be, all right, let, let's yeah. And I think sometimes we over we we overthink this, and it's just like you have good players, you want to keep. My question would be, and I don't think either of us has the answer, at least at this moment. All right, if you're keeping Dalvin Tomlinson and Leonard Williams, whether it's one on a tag and one on a long-term deal or both on a long-term deal, what does that mean you're doing elsewhere on your roster? Because I said, you know, as I said, I don't think it's likely that you're going to be able to keep both of them on long-term contracts without likely either restructuring other deals or cutting veteran players who are making a lot of money that you're going to need to create some cap space with. So um, I know it's a long-winded way of saying that, like, you know, it's, I, of course, I like to keep both, but I, I think I'd have I'd, I would object if I knew. And I'm just making this up here. Like, hey, if you told me the only way to keep both of those players is that, you know, Kevin Zeitler is gone, as an example, mm-hmm. or you've traded, which is a real possibility for sure. Ingram. Sure, not it's a possibility. Yep. Not impossible. Um, yep. If you traded several other players, then I might say, OK, I got to think about that. Right. So. Um, in a perfect world, both are back, but we have to be realistic too, that this could wind up being a one versus the other. Yeah. And here's the thing people don't realize. I don't think teams, especially with the giants, like you said, the, the, the opportunity cost is huge here. 
in this specific instance. Like if Dalvin Tomlinson is willing to sign for $8 million a year, they'll probably do it. But there is no salary cap set yet. The, 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 right. the actual number is not even set. So I don't think teams know exactly where they stand. And there's a little wiggle room on where they might be able to go with deals, where, you know, which direction they might be able to lean. And until that uncertainty is cleared, I don't think, and tell me if you think I'm wrong on this, that, that teams are kind of waiting for that before they make no final decisions on, on where they're going to go with certain guys. No doubt. I mean, I think think about making a franchise tag decision right now. Leonard Williams is a different case because the value's fixed no matter what, right? Like the Giants know if they tag Leonard Williams, it's 120% of the value from last year. But like, imagine you're the Bucks right now and you've got to decide on franchise tagging Chris Godwin versus Shaq Barrett. Like, you know what the value would be on Shaq Barrett because of the second tag. But Chris Godwin, like it, it, you know, and I, I think the Bucks will end up figuring a lot of their contracts out. But and maybe so maybe that's a bad example. But an Allen Robinson in Chicago, or some of the players that we've been speculated upon, it could be a tag candidate. Like, I'm not saying that you know a tag value that you project now that ends up being five hundred thousand dollars more or less when it is finally settled changes everything. But if ever there was a year where you are doing things as precisely as down to the, you know, 10,000 or 50,000 or hundred thousand dollar interval, this is the year. Yeah. All right. You, you, the perfect segue. You do said the names for me. Explain to me, man, why, how, why wouldn't the Chicago bears make Allen Robinson work or franchise take and make, make sure that they don't let Allen Robinson go. Same with Kenny Gallup. You're talking about two teams right there. Two guys the Giants are going to keep an eye on, right? For sure. Those yep. two right there, the top of the wide receiver category. I'm putting Godwin on the side a little bit because I'm with you. I, I think that's likely to get done in some way, shape, or form. But you got the Bears and the Lions, okay? They're not loaded with weapons, those two teams. As a matter of fact, right. there's really not much you know, on either roster in regards to weapons. So why would those two teams let either of those players go? And do you, do you expect it to happen? So I think the Lions one's a little bit easier to figure out. And I think we can address that quickly. I do think that Kenny Galladay, like worst case scenario is to get the tag. But as we know, started last season, got banged up early. It was a regime that, as we also know, eventually got fired. So, uh, you know, you're having conversations that might be pushed off to the side or back burner because all of a sudden you're losing a bunch of games. Everybody's worried about getting fired, right? Right. Um, I think Kenny Galladay is a guy that is worth a huge, huge contract. I mean, I, I don't think we can expect anybody to be getting discounts this offseason, even with the cap down on elite players. You're going to have to pay elite player money and just find the cap space. Make that work. That's your problem, not Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay's problem. But my guess is the new regime probably starts off and says, like, I know Kenny Galladay's older for a player at the end of his first contract. I believe he's 27. He was an old rookie out uh, when he came out back in 2017. Uh, older rookie, I should say. But uh, I think he'll end up getting paid um, by the Lions as well. Like, I think the starting point is at least the tag. They've got the, they, they have the wherewithal with the cap to do it. And this might be a team that is not aggressively shopping this offseason. They would be a team that could very well say, you know what? Like, this is a year for us to look at the roster, decide who's expendable, decide who's a keeper, keep Kenny Galladay. And I'm not saying sit out free agency, but be more bystander than they are investor. Um, Chicago. Do you expect Galladay to get tagged in some way, shape, or form, or something? I think or, so. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I think I mean, so. I, agree. I, think I, mean, I, don't, I don't see why a team in their situation would let one of you know one of their best offensive players just walk. 
And I think also you're, you know, you're a first time and a new GM in Brad Holmes, your mindset probably like, do I really need, like, am I really going to let one of my best players walk away? Like without even having a chance to see him on the football field, you're more inclined to, again, keep as many good players as you can. This reminds me of, I always tell people when Brian Gutekiss got named the Packers general manager, the first thing he had to do was sign Aaron Rodgers to that extension. And there were some questions at the time as to whether the extension would get done. And I'm like, you really think Brian Gutekiss is going to get this job? And the first thing he's going to do is stiff his quarterback. Now I understand that, right. that 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 story has taken life in different ways since then. And but time, he, like, he kind of did really, if, later on. After later on, him, that, you know, at least uh, you know you first you had to, you know you, but you had to cross that first hurdle of paying him. So I think Kenny Galladay, whether whether it's the tag or whether it is a long term deal, um, or I guess third option will be a tag that turned in, turned into a long term deal. I do think he ends up getting paid. Uh, by the Detroit Lions. Now, as for the the Bears, I don't know, Jordan, because first of all, the easiest and best investments that you can make or the best investments you can make are the players that you already know really well. Free agency can work out wonderfully, like Blake Martinez. It can also work out poorly when you've got uh, you know players that you don't know as well and you think you're getting something and you get something different. The Bears know Allen Robinson. He's been unbelievable for them. He is not, I mean, I think he's in the prime of his career in terms of age. Like, you know, he may be four years away from, you know, starting to regress. But like, if you're signing Allen Robinson to a four-year deal right now, you're going to get awesome, awesome value for him. It's a position that, as you said, the team is not exactly chock full of. Otherwise, they've made investments that have worked poorly and backfired uh, that are probably impeding this deal from getting done a little bit. You know, they, and I'm not saying that every investment has been terrible by Chicago. They've got a lot of good defensive investments, but you know, the Nick Foles contract is a little bit. I mean, I know it's not massive, but still, like these are numbers that when you you stack on top of Nick Foles and a Jimmy Graham and you know a guy like Bobby Massey who's been a little banged up recently, like all those things in aggregate, like those prevent you from making the moves that you might want to make in a perfect world. Um, it feels like a divorce is at least possible because they've discussed an extension before and not ultimately reached the goal line. But I will just say this. The Bears front office knows if they don't win next year, then they're probably gone, almost assuredly gone, right? Yeah. So if you're Ryan Pace, you're saying to yourself, I'm going to take as many swings at the bat as I can this year on good players. And if that means keeping Allen Robinson on a one-year franchise tag deal and then he walks next year, well, if we win big, Hopefully we can find something that works out for both sides. And if we lose big, I understand that that, that could mean that Allen Robinson departs, but I might depart as well. So that's somebody else's problem to figure out. So right. a, a divorce seems possible, but I wouldn't rule out that they say, hey, we're tagging you and we'll try to figure it out later. That, that's why I asked you, because sitting here from a distance and I know they have, you know, they're, they're up against the cap. They're going to, they're going to have some big decisions to make, but to let your, only offensive weapon go and if they get a quarterback they still might you know looking for a quarterback probably right like you get even if they get another quarterback what are they going to have okay we're going to get this quarter quarterback x you know name name a you know quarterback that's enticing and you're going to say we're going to bring him here and then we're going to take away and strip our best him of our best offensive weapon it it does it seems like a very weird situation to me like i, I don't understand how they can justify in any way, shape, or form letting Allen Robinson go. So they they got to try and make yeah. that work. 
Now you've got to find. I really believe you got to find a way. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And so, so that that would take away some of the big firepower at the big at the top of the uh, the wide receiver board for sure in free agency. Is there anyone that you would be willing to invest in? Uh, you know, the next in that neck who who out of that next level really intrigues you? Yeah, you know, Will Fuller, Juju, Corey Davis, uh, you know, the Nelson Aguilar's of the world, wh- whoever else maybe comes to your mind. Yeah, so I think it's going to be interesting is that, so I think there's a chance Juju, despite a down year this past year, makes like serious, serious dough. Like I'm talking $18, $19 million per year. Wow. Will Fuller, I expect to be also in that that range. I know it sounds a little bit crazy, but uh, because of the down year he had, but he's like 23 years old. Like Juju came in as an absurdly young wide receiver and has had, I mean, unbelievable years under his belt. Like I think someone- My question on that is, him, he's, kind of a, he's kind of a slot receiver, isn't he? There's yes, a lot in the slot. But, however, we have seen guys, we've seen some guys really emerge uh, as the best in the business, like a Chris Godwin or a Tyree Kill, who play a lot from the slot. Yeah. Um, so I think there, there's some precedent there for slot receivers being one or one A type player. So I think Corey Davis is an interesting guy this offseason. I think Curtis Daniels is an interesting guy this offseason. Those are two players that. I don't know that either one of them, and I throw Marvin Jones in there, by the way, even though Marvin's a little bit older. I think that all three of those guys are going to make good money. Like, I don't think the Giants are signing any of those guys for the Sterling Shepard extension, four years and 32 or $33 million, maybe 34. Um, but you know what I mean? Eight and a half, nine million bucks per year. Like, I think those guys are probably, uh, if they chase the most money they can get, um, would be somewhere like around, I would say like 11 to $14 million. Which mm-hmm. sounds like a big gulp when you're like, oh gosh, you know, like I don't think any of those guys are guaranteed to be number one wide receivers. This is the open market, baby. Like if you're expecting to pay, you know, discounted price in free agency, then you have signed up for the wrong exercise. So those are interesting players to me. The entire league needs wide receivers. It feels like there are teams that are equipped to pay big this offseason that need wide receivers, whether it's the Colts, who I think are going to have to make a decision on whether. They work hard to bring back T.Y. Hilton or not. The Patriots certainly need wide receivers. The Washington football team certainly needs wide receivers. Those are amongst the teams that need them and have the money to spend as well if they choose this offseason. See, this is why it's it's an ama- it's going to be an amazing offseason because I w- I'll take the under on a lot of those numbers. I I just think the way that the market is going to set up, like the really top guys, they'll get their money. That second tier, it's going to dry up on those guys a little bit. So the, some of these guys will end up coming in at value you know, taking the one-year deal and going to try and get to market again next year because that's when, you know, there's an expectation at least that the cap is going to jump greatly. But this is this is the best part about this offseason. I think it has an opportunity just to be total craziness, uh, unique and unforeseen of, of what we've, you know, ever experienced before. It really should make for a just fascinating, uh, you know, entertainment really yeah you're right and i maybe i have overestimated because i mean the elite players i think sounds like we both agree the elite guys are going to get paid right like if chris godwin hits the open market he'll make his money same with alan robinson Robinson. maybe i am maybe i'm overestimating some of those guys that are sort of like the next men up in terms of like wide receiver ranking in the free agent market right Uh, and maybe they'll be more inclined because i think what we're going to see is um Usually it's like what second or third week of free agency when the the one year deals start to bubble up more frequently. Uh It could be that by the end of the first week, players realize what the marketplace looks like. And they're like, you know what? 
I'm not even going to bother waiting for that potential two, three year deal on the back end of free agency. Remember Golden Tate's free agency? It took like weeks before he signed with the Giants. Like, yeah, he was, it was, it was very, very quiet on him. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, boom. Yeah. But maybe there's going to be less of the really quiet and then out of nowhere, boom, four year deal this year. So I could see this. Maybe this is a year. And again, maybe I've, I've misread uh, how things will transpire and that some of those guys that are not necessarily surefires, but are really, you know, capable players might be more inclined to do a one-year deal. I think the question would be on someone, as an example, like Corey Davis, is you're coming off of your career best year. Like, if you take a one-year deal and you don't repeat, what's the marketplace going to look like next year? Even though there's more money to spend, what's it going to look like next year if I take a step back? Well, that's why his his best deal might be going back to actually in that same spot, go back to Tennessee. And go right. and I agree to, that. If, if he has to take the one year and then risk it into, you know, that, that's the dilemma a lot of these guys are going to face. And that's why it's fascinating because, and we're all, look, we're both just guesstimating here. It's uncharted territory. Nobody knows yeah. how it's going to go because we've never been in this situation before. The cap, that, totally. it really hasn't never gone down to this degree ever. Yeah. So, it, it's, you know, it's a wild year. It's a crazy year. We're sitting here. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I mean, normally we are calculating the percentage from the previous year that it went up like, Oh, it's up 6%, 8%, 9%. Right. And it's been, it's been at that 10% rate for a while now, pretty much you know, yeah. regularly, right around there. every single player, every single team, I should say is totally impacted by this, right? Every single team, there's not a single team that's immune to this, even teams like the Jaguars Patriots, who've got plenty of cap space this off season. Yeah. Like the Patriots, have I think like sixty some million bucks. But what if the cap had gone up from one ninety eight to two ten? They could have ninety million to spend this offseason. So um it definitely has an impact on teams, even those that are are in quote unquote good cap shape, which I always think is a little bit of a misnomer because typically when you've got a lot of cap space, it means you got a lot of holes to fill as well. Right. It means you don't you're not paying enough good players. Sure. Yeah. So. Yep. No doubt about that. Edge rusher, another position the Giants desperately need to find a way to fill some way, shape, or form. Two guys that stand out to me. Curious what you think. First is Bud Dupree. We'll start with him. Okay. Uh, to me, he's just he's like just the best player that I look at when I see on this. Like he was playing at a level this year that I thought was just he was a top top player in the league. He's awesome. Yeah. But he tears his knee. So obviously he comes with risk now. How do we? How would you look at this? How do you think front office people look at? Okay, he obviously has a huge ceiling. It's an injury now that guys come back from. But do we really want to put money? And it's going to be costed a lot of money, right? A good player. Yep. Or at least like let's say fifteen million dollars a year range somewhere around right. there. I agree. Uh, would you be willing? Is how much of a risk is it to go after a guy like that coming off a knee injury, not knowing? I mean, it's not a hundred percent yet. Yeah. I would say like from a skill set standpoint, it's not a risk. Like if you just, if you, if he was healthy, I'd say five years, 90 million bucks, five years, hundred million bucks. Like that's yeah. what I would be forecasting for Bud Dupree. Um, yeah. Dynamite player. Evidence, He's really, really good. Really good. Explosive, super powerful. Like just bullies offensive tackles and tight ends uh, consistently, both against the run. And certainly when rush in the past or two, um, there's enough evidence, as you said, like guys come back from ACL tears, right? I'm not saying you want that to happen, especially not in a contract year, but you know, a player who doesn't come back from an ACL tear now, that's much more the exception than the rule. The rule is you come back. Some guys are super freaks like 
Adrian Peterson, and then there was a Wes Welker who came back like six months later and was like totally fine. This stuff happens, right? Um, Age-wise, he checks out, right? He's 28, I think, Bud Dupree has just finished the fifth-year option. of He's a first-year, uh, first-round pick. So I like the idea a lot. I think the, you know, the big question, Jordan, on anybody who's getting paid a lot of money this offseason is going to be first-year structure. Well, and I don't mean to belabor this, yeah. this depressed cap point, but I don't know how you cannot. I mean, if you're a team right now, like the Giants, and if I'm not mistaken, their cap commitments are basically at like 180 to $182 million, yeah, which right is where the, the cap is going to end up. Yeah, so if you're talking about a team that is essentially at zero cap space right now, that also has the 11th pick in the draft, which I know they can trade up or down, but still, that's going to have a cap hold. You're going to have to pay your draft class. That's not negotiable. Like, you can't, I mean, unless you want to trade all your picks, you're going to have some, whatever it is, 5 million bucks. Teams like to go into the season with a slush fund, if you will, of 5 million to account for injury settlements, players you claim off of waivers, being opportunistic with trades, et cetera. You're going to have to, Either again, as we talked about, restructure some players or cut some players. But that first year structure is really interesting. Like, let's let's use a Bud Dupree model. If a deal for five years and a hundred million bucks comes together for Bud Dupree, but you can structure it to get it down to, I don't know, five million dollars in the first year cap hit. That's great for this year, but you're also banking on, as you mentioned, a giant spike in the cap in 2021, 2022, 2023, et cetera. Because if my math is correct, if you've got $95 million left over on a five-year deal to account for over four years, that's Mm -hmm. $23.75 million per year on the cap that you're accounting for, which means that let's say the cap jumps to 30 next year. That's a huge jump of 50 million bucks, which is possible that Bud Dupree is by himself accounting for, you know, 10% of your cap. So, I'm not saying he's not worth that five years, $100 million in total, $20 million per year, but I'm using him as an example of how fascinating that first-year structure will be. No, like, you're right. That, how much that is, dynamic is is huge because is it worth for a team like the Giants to even go that route? Like, like you you understand, okay, the Bucks. maybe it makes sense for the Bucks. Like, a team that's looking to compete for a Super Bowl this year might be more apt to do it than a team like the Giants who are saying, look, we're trying to build something here long-term. Yeah, and you don't want to pass on good players just because you're so focused on the long term. I just think I appreciate uh, teams that are honest with their timeline, right? So, like, if you're the Chiefs or the Bucks or the Packers or the Bills this offseason, I'm, I'm missing teams, but others, and you want to just, like, do it, I'm cool doing it. Like, whatever that doing that means, right? Yeah. You find if you're the uh, – again, I'm just making this up, but if, if the Chiefs find a way to sign Bud Dupree and they can get his cap hit way down – but they feel like he's the missing piece to a team that felt like it needed more pass rush down the stretch. Go for it. Yeah. Make sure you figure it out. We've got Patrick Mahomes for 11 more seasons. You'll figure <laughs> it out. Right. Yeah. But that, those are the are, teams I think that could be, take the bigger risks that, that, that we'll probably see, take the bigger risks this year. For sure. Now other teams have gone all in. I mean, I'm not saying that their timeline is over, but like the Raiders are going to be undoing some mistakes from the past two free agencies already. Right. Like these things, you got to you got to be honest with your timeline and you got to be honest with what um, there is that um, 
how far it moves you along. And I understand that GMs and coaches don't have a lot of time to work with. We know the league is very impatient, but it's important to be honest with your timeline and what that player means to you right now. Yeah. And that's why, I mean, I wrote it a couple, probably like a week or two ago about the Giants. Look, they understand they're in a rebuild. They know their timeline isn't this year, right? They they know this is right. going to take a couple more years. So that's why I, I wouldn't, we're talking about some of these big names on the board here. I, I wouldn't, I don't think they're going to be that active on the, on the big name. Like maybe go after a, a wide receiver if one hits the market, but like there's not going to be going and signing all these big guys. I mean, it's just not the way yeah. it's going this year. So let's wrap up yeah. here. real quick. Rank the NFC East quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks. Obviously there's, right. there's obviously there's some yeah. blanks to fill in. So that's uh, sure, you yeah. making yeah. some predictions here, right? Dallas. Yep. Let's go. Who's, who's yeah. Dallas' let's go starter? Dak How about that? Yeah, Dak Prescott. That's okay. one of those where it's like sure. start with the tag and figure it out. Dak and Dak is one. Understanding he's got a major injury he's coming back from. That's right. number one. We know that we uh, know the Giants have Daniel Jones. Okay, now yep. who starts yep. in Washington and who starts in Philly? I'm Best going guess, with obviously. here in Jalen Hurts mid mid, yep. mid late February. Yep, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Um, and I, I actually did a piece recently for ESPN uh, about predicting all 32 starting quarterbacks. So I, I will that. say that's why I went and yeah. that's why I'm in this. <laughs> yeah, so I'll be consistent. Everybody go read that, by the yeah. way. There you go. Uh, I felt good. good about three. Dak, Daniel Jones, and Jalen Hurts. You know, I think it's possible Philly shops for a quarterback in the draft, but I'm like, I, I feel 85% confident Jalen Hurts will be the guy next year. And then I put Ryan Fitzpatrick in Washington. And I'll be honest with you, Jordan. And I said this in the article, and I think it's important for people to hear it um, if they didn't hear it at the time. It's like, we're guessing on a, on a group of these teams, Washington, Chicago, the Patriots, because they're all in this tier of too far away from pick one to be guaranteed to be able to draft a quarterback in the first round, but also with no obvious option on their roster, right? Like uh-huh. maybe Cam Newton returns to New England. Who knows? If he doesn't, what are they going to do? Um, like, you know, there's only so many. Last year we had a buyer's market at quarterback. This year we don't. I mean, last year, Jameis Winston, Andy Dalton, Cam Newton all settled for deals. That's not the case this year. There aren't a bunch of good options. So I'm going to go with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick. And if he goes there, I understand this is going to, you know, it's going to bother some people in both New York and, and Philadelphia. But at this juncture, Ryan Fitzpatrick, a slight nod over both Jalen Hurts and Daniel Jones. Long term, obviously, the outlook is much better for those two young players. And I don't know how you can really put the difference between Daniel Jones and Jalen Hurts. The sample size is larger on Daniel. Um, I thought there were some areas where he improved this year. Both guys are dynamic runners. That much is for sure. Jalen Hurts completed 52% of his passes last year. Some of that was because they were very vertically inclined. We're going to have to see accuracy pick up this year for Jalen Hurts. Um, but, and Daniel, you know, turnovers have been a problem. I thought he made some steps forward there this year. It feels like when Daniel's in a groove, he can be a really fun player. But, you know, I feel like it would be disingenuous to rank one of them as clearly above the other. 3A and 3B. How about that? 3A and 3B. That's how I feel about them at this juncture right now. All right, let's finish with this because you you are involved in fantasy. So I'm curious. We we do this every year. We go to the fantasy summit, usually after the draft. So we're talking about usually it's early May, right? Yep. We're going to put together our rankings for fantasy running backs. Where does Saquon come in right now? Where where do you where do you think, uh, where do you think he falls in? Right, we have here's here's some of the the options, right? Top options. I'll give you a couple seconds to think about it. Christian McCaffrey, yep. Derek yep. Henry, Dalvin yep. Cook, Alvin Kamara, 
Maybe yeah. you're really high on Jonathan Taylor or whatever. And then there's Saquon yep. on the Giants. Yeah. I'd, fresh off in the injury. I think fourth or fifth. So number one for me will be no surprise, Christian McCaffrey. Um, and I understand that he missed a lot of time last year, but when he played Jordan, it was just like stupid. Ridiculous Again, this productive. is for fantasy. Nobody, so like it's different because fantasy, he catches yes, the ball yep. compared to Derrick Henry, who doesn't really catch the ball. Like that's yes. so just right. to clarify right there. Yep. Yep. But number two for me is going to be Derrick Henry. And right. there's a case from his number one. We've been using the same argument and in, in not ranking uh, Derrick Henry higher for a few years now. Hey, does he catch enough passes? I don't care anymore. You know what? Don't, you know what also <laughs> works? Scoring 15 touchdowns a year and rushing for 1,500 yards or more for almost 2,000 in some cases. So uh, Derrick Henry will be number two for me. Dalvin Cook will be number three for me. The workload was just served last year for Minnesota. Number four would be Alvin Kamara. Um, what, you know, there's probably a case for him to be as high as number one, but as we saw last year, when Taysom Hill was the quarterback, he barely caught the ball. I think yeah. it's going to be Jameis as their starter, but you know, these Drew Brees was good for him, man. Drew Brees was good for him. Yes, he D- was. The dump, da- you know Drew, dump down Drew is good for him. Absolutely. So we'll see where that one ends up. Uh, and same goes with, uh, you know, so, and we'll see what happens with Jameis. I mean, Jameis, they can say they want him back or they can say he's going to be their guy, but you know, they also don't have a contract for James right now. And they don't have a lot of cap space. So they're going to have to figure that deal out. And then five for me would be Saquon. And um, listen, there's a case to take Saquon one. I mean, I know that sounds, I'm not trying to, you know, elicit, you know, strong, positive reactions for Giants fans. I mean, this is a guy that took the league by storm as a rookie, he catches the heck out of the ball. He's obviously an unbelievable runner. He's explosive, going to score touchdowns. Um, I think it's, it's just a mere hedge against the fact that, he suffered a huge injury last year, even though I expect him to be back on the field without major restriction week one. I mean, the Giants might just be a little bit more mindful of his workload. And yeah, you know, if that's sure. six for carries sure. a game for, for Wayne Gullman, it's Gullman, he's, he's in the final year of his deal. Whoever the Wayne, Wayne Gullman or okay. whoever, whoever the next Wayne My apologies is. there. Yeah. Yep. No, so but I mean, that has to factor in. They're not going to go out it? there just and give him 99% yep. of the workload off of, an ACL injury. I mean, that that's totally. that's reality, right? Heck, the Cowboys paid Zeke ninety million bucks, and then they started using him more, using Tony Pollard more. So you know, teams can talk the talk about you know this guy being the centerpiece of our offense, but you got to walk it too. And it's not bad business to give your star running back a little bit of a breather. Like, if you would you prefer, you know, twenty total touches for Saquon that are as good as it gets from him or potentially 28 where he's operating between 80 and 85% on all of them. Right. Yeah. And the answer might be, Hey, you know what? Maybe there's a, uh, maybe, maybe there's some, there's some positive value for Saquon if he has a slightly reduced wolf. Right. but I can't wait to see him, Jordan. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm not trying to be a mensch here, but uh, the dude is so dynamic. He's such a fun player to have. Uh, for the Giants, especially, but in fantasy as well, it's a, um, you know, the league suffered a, a, just a brutal string of injuries in week two last year, yeah, but Saquon crazy. not being on the field, the league felt, it felt there's a void. I felt like, honestly, I mean, he's, you know, when I talk to people about running back prospects in the league now, and a, a, heck, even prospects from the draft class of Saquon Barkley, I can't tell you 2018, like, I can't tell you how frequently people say like, you know, I wouldn't say this guy is a Saquon level player. And so it's funny how frequently Saquon is used as the mold that we 
um, compare running backs against coming out of the draft. Like it just speaks to how much he is respected around the league for everything that he does. Yeah, he's the guy when he when he plays every you want to watch. You know, like when he gets the ball, you want you 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 perk up a little bit. You're a little you get a little closer to the TV or you know or the field, and you want to see what he's going to do with the ball. I mean, he's one he's one of no those question. guys. And personally, I don't Absolutely. like you said, we talked about before the ACL injuries nowadays. It's something guys come back from pretty pretty regularly. It's a, they, like they you do. said, yeah. you're 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 on the other end. You're, you're an anomaly if you don't come back from them, right? Like it, it's the norm to sure. come back now. So I do expect sure. you to come back. Absolutely. Great. But I agree. I also agree with you. You can't put him in the top top range because he's probably going to be scaled back a little bit. Then that would be the yeah, smart just thing. A little bit. Not substantially, but just a little bit. Just right. a little bit. And and that makes a difference when you're comparing him to workload of the top, top, top players in the position in the league. So, yeah. Fair enough. Say, Jordan, by the way, my job on the fantasy, the last thing I'll say is like on the Go fantasy, ahead. like, you know, they don't like, like our job is to pit, to, to, is to nitpick, right? Like, right. the reality is that all five of those guys merit a top two pick. You know, you got to find a way to just sort of split the difference. And in the case of Saquon Barkley, hedging that the team will be a little bit cautious on a player that tore his ACL. That's not an indictment of big one. It's just, let's just, let's just be smart about what he went through. Yeah. I think, you know what, more I thought I'd sit here and look at this list. I think you're going to see more variance at the top of drafts this year than, than ever before, because you could, some people will be like, you know, bet on Saquon. Some people will bet on McCaffrey. Some people will bet on say, Dav, look at Dalvin cook the last few years. He's so dominant or Kamara. Like you can, there's a lot of different directions to go this year, probably more than most. Absolutely. I can't wait for it already. I can't wait. Well, we got a few, we got a few months. So en- enjoy free agency draft, get a little downtime and we'll, we'll do We'll do this again before the season. That's right. And by the time we're talking next, I will hopefully be an advanced Peloton rider. <laughs> Don't, I hope I, I hope I didn't like corrupt you. And now you're going to be one of these, like, you know, awful humans like myself, maybe wink, wink, uh, who, Tries to cheat the system just so his number looks better at the end. Don't do it. Field. I Don't respect worry. what the way you approached it. I was looking to My- see if I if I'm the uh, if I'm the norm or um, an outsider, you know, or I'm like in the small minority that cheats the system. Uh, you're you're too hard on yourself. I'm following your lead now. Going. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Blame me. All right, Field. Appreciate it. On to the next one. Thank you, man. Talk to you soon. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. 
so you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. All right, let's wrap up this episode of Breaking Big Blue. It's a long one, but I mean, free agency, people love free agency. There's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of potential options, uh, a lot of, you know, Names of interest, especially now as we sit here some three weeks before it begins. Uh, it's it's always fun, though. And free agency, I believe it starts that week of the NCAA tournament. That's the way it's been the last couple of years. Uh, so it's it's a big sports week in this country. And, uh, you know, the, the moves come fast and furious. And the Giants, you know, they'll be making moves like everyone else this offseason. There's going to be a lot of moves. They still have something to build here. So we'll get we'll bring you more on this in the coming weeks. Uh, feel free to reach out. Tell me what you want to know, uh, what you want some of these episodes to be about, maybe who you want to hear from as guests. And I'm always accepting feedback. Remember, like, subscribe, tell your friends about this podcast, Breaking Big Blue. We need to we were growing. We want to grow. We want to get bigger and bigger and better and better. That means you sending me uh, suggestions, tips, questions. You know how to reach me. Email, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I even joined Clubhouse recently. Still figuring out how to use that, but uh, or what it is as a platform. But yeah, I'm on all these. Email, I could always be reached there. As always, you're listening to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. See you next time. 